Hi, my name is Felix Krüger and I'm your host. If this is your first time tuning into the State of Sales Enablement podcast, welcome and thanks for your support. If you work closely with the B2B enterprise sales team in your role, make sure to check out the free on-demand training provided by Kruger Marketing, my business and the sponsor of this podcast. The training breaks down the steps required to shorten sales cycles with the effective use of content. To access the free training session, visit thisstateofsalesenablement.com slash content. That's thisstateofsalesenablement.com slash content. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. My guest in today's episode is one of the most effective sales leaders I had the privilege of collaborating with. In his roles at Fairfax Media and LinkedIn, he has worked with the who is who of B2B enterprise and knows the reality of effectively using sales enablement resources to drive sales performance all too well. In this interview, I speak to the enterprise account director at LinkedIn, Travis May. Enjoy the show. Travis May, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me, mate. Great to join you. So for the few people in the Australian market that wouldn't know you or your background, please introduce yourself. Yeah, so I work at LinkedIn, leading the higher education vertical for marketing solutions here in Australia. And I've worked in digital media and advertising for over 10 years now. It's gone very quickly and always been straddling that sales and marketing area, whether it be internally or also working with and advising clients. Awesome. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because I wanted to gain an insight on what is happening on sales end. Most mm -hmm. of our listeners would probably be marketing managers who are working directly with sales. So it's particularly interesting to hear your take on things. And from your point of view, having worked with sales enablement teams and marketing teams throughout your career, what would you say is a way marketing and sales can create stronger alignment? Yeah, I think we have seen really good progress on this over the last few years and really understanding the importance of it as well. And I think that, you know, that realization happened quite a few years ago now, but I think it's really we've made grounds on actual implementation and making it happen. And for me, I think there's probably four key areas to helping support this. The first is around strategy and it's really understanding how you can formulate a common strategy together that's shared across both sales and marketing. And we see this internally at LinkedIn, who I've worked with for, for coming on five years now and other organizations I've worked in as well, and then also clients as well. I've seen this across a lot of different clients that are in all sorts of industries and all sorts of markets as well. And I think it's this idea of formulating a strategy together that's deeply rooted in that concept of customer value. And that's finding the common ground between marketing and sales. And it makes complete sense for us to do that, but it's a real challenge to make it happen. You've got sort of different reporting lines for marketing and sales. There's different KPIs and how everyone's success is measured. And I think that measurement piece is also critical to this. So we're not sort of all driving in a different direction because we're measured in different ways, but it's coming together to understand, well, what are those 
measurements going to be that we want to work towards and finding common ground on that. And we need to probably look at the handoff between marketing and sales as well. And we actually did a research piece with Forrester last year, Forrester Consulting last year, that sort of identified these four key areas of strategy, process, content and messaging and culture. So I'd encourage everyone to have a look at that if you haven't seen it before. And I think that process piece is critical here in this handoff between marketing and sales. And it goes back to that customer value thing again and customer journey in thinking about we've got marketing and sales are actually targeting the same customer. They're both trying to talk to the same customer. So we don't want to get lost in the messaging that we're putting to that customer. We want to think about what is the customer journey? How can we reduce friction for them and make it a really good experience where they don't even know there's a handover between marketing and sales happening. So that's really around, well, how can we share the same data and have access to that same data? How can we have common platforms that both marketing and sales have access to and can be visible at all times? I think if we sort of go into the content and messaging piece, it's around that sort of laser focus on the customer, but thinking about it in a way where marketing can take what sales are uncovering in their conversations and being able to bubble that up into the type of content that that customer is going to see. So I think the challenge a lot of the time for B2B marketers is that they're often hamstrung by creating messaging and content that starts with the product or service. And then they're trying to translate it into customer value. And that's just the nature of the beast. It comes back to this maturing of sales and marketing alignment. But it's certainly a challenge that exists where this is still often taking place, which is also making it difficult for them to do it. So I think it's about that conversation that can happen and extracting that information out of sales teams to make that job easier for marketers. And it's about sales stepping up to make that happen as well, stepping up from the very beginning when this sort of content is being planned, being engaged throughout a go-to-market so we know the impact of that content, and then also working with marketing and reflecting on what has and hasn't worked. And that probably leads to that final pillar, which is around culture. And this is just absolutely critical. I think here at LinkedIn, we say relationships matter and they 100% do. And it's about creating an environment where, and this should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun for sales and marketing to work on these initiatives together. And I think if we can work from that point of view of bringing these teams together, where they're understanding the trials and tribulations and the triumphs of what's happening in those individuals in what they're doing and also as teams, I think that can really move the needle here as well. So it's about attending each other's meetings. It's about participating in joint initiatives. It's about finding champions, whether it be marketing looking for a sales champion or sales looking for a marketing champion to work on projects together. It's about finding executive sponsors to drive this forward as well. And it's really about celebrating each other's success as you see the results of this sort of collaboration starting to happen. I think too, and I've had this realization as a salesperson, is that there's an enormous amount you can learn from each other as individuals. I mean, I've learned an absolute ton from marketers that I've worked with. And to this day, it's sort of, I'm speaking to the marketers here at LinkedIn multiple times a day on different initiatives that we'll be working on. And a lot of it is around 
deciding, but then also checking in throughout the process so that we can have these sort of seamless handovers, but also there's these inputs that are coming back into marketing or sales that are going to keep driving this process forward in the most optimal way. So I think it's sort of this common theme around let's put aside leads and marketing thinking just about demand gen and leads and sales thinking about deals and closing deals and going back to customer value and sort of this deep, deep focus on how we can make that happen in a really seamless way. I love that. I think the communication bit is something that you see on an anecdotal basis, but also in research popping up over and over again. If the communication isn't there and if the mutual understanding of the objectives isn't there, then there's no way to actually create that alignment. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Definitely. So you mentioned you've been with LinkedIn now for four or five years. So you would have had a good amount of time before COVID-19. From your perspective, like how has the buyer behavior changed in the Australian market once COVID-19 hit our shores? And how has this behavioral change really challenged your sales team? Yeah, I think that shifting to a fully remote environment, it was a big shift. And I think if we look at sales professionals and how they interact with customers, I think a few of the big shifts were around how we communicate and interact with our clients and sort of the deep thinking that was required to uncover what the best ways of making that happen were going to be. And I think obviously things have improved since the middle of last year. If we think about being in a lockdown, particularly down in Victoria, down here that went on for some time. So things have certainly improved since then. But you've got this situation where you've got clients that are trying to deal with the family situation at home themselves, potentially an incredibly challenging work environment where maybe the business isn't doing so well and there's incredible pressure on cost savings and driving what they can from sort of limited resources. Or on the flip of that, maybe they've got incredible demand happening and they're growing quite quickly at that time whilst trying to deal with a number of other things as well. So I think it really was this step back and thinking people first and working out what support was required and how it should be provided. I think they were sort of a couple of the key things. And as much as things have improved, I think we've sort of taken that thread along with us as well. And we're sort of really thinking more deeply about where we can provide value and how that value should be provided. And I think too, it's about understanding where your teammates are at, where not only your sales teammates are at, but also your cross-functional partners, leadership that you might be reporting to, and anyone else that you're working with, maybe their, their partners that you're working with as well. And it was about sort of working out ways that the culture that you usually experience in an environment where you can come together can best be supported remotely. Like how can you bring energy to a group of people or to a conversation? How can you make sure everyone feels supported? How can you make sure they feel that they belong in these environments as well? So as much as it's been challenging, I know that you know, salespeople, myself included, would love more than anything else to spend more time with clients in person and collaborate together and with their partners as well. I think the silver lining we can find is that it's made us a lot more thoughtful. It's made us really think through the fact that in a virtual environment, we've got these smaller windows to get people's attention. So it's really about, well, what do I need to do around that small window of opportunity I have to spend time with someone via a, a virtual call to make sure that that time together can be maximized? 
So I think that's been probably the most critical thing to come out of this is it's really made us much more thoughtful and think really, really deeply about how we can do that. When we think about engaging clients remotely through calls, emails, video conferencing, what have you done to maximize the limited window of opportunity to communicate with clients? There's a few areas. I think pre-reads have become even more critical. So putting something together which is very concise, has a lot of thoughtful information that's presented logically to a group of stakeholders that can be sent prior to a conversation has become even more important. And I think there's a real skill in that. And it does take time and it takes quite a bit of work as well to get there. But really the benefit is that you've got a group of people that are coming together in this limited window, ready to discuss and even make decisions as well that can drive these initiatives forward quicker. I think making virtual presentations interactive has also been important. And our Vice President of Marketing Solutions, Penry Price, has just written a piece about this, talking about the benefits of video and chat being much, much stronger together. And I think it's absolutely spot on where we've used video for quite some time. We've used chat for quite some time, but we probably haven't used the two of them together. We've been working out ways we can use the two of them together. And over time, we're having these aha moments where we go through this experience where we're realizing there's great effectiveness or efficiency from these tools that whilst they've been available for a while, we're using them in a different way or in a new context or just simply in a better way as we've been forced to in this environment. And I think it's also thinking about even just the basics of your setup and making sure as a sales professional, you're in the best physical environment possible and also the best headspace as well. A lot of what we talk about here at LinkedIn is that we need to be in the best space possible to be able to serve our clients and truly bring value to them. And it's not easy. I mean, I look at my situation, and Felix, you and I have, have discussed this. I've got a three-year-old and an 18-month-old at home running around. But I think it's about finding the routines that are going to keep energy at the right level when you do have these engagements. So it's thinking about things like your well-being. It's thinking about what support to the family needs. So when I need to work, I can really get stuck in and focus and work. It's thinking about what technology do I need? What space at home, despite the limitations you've got, can you find to be really effective and efficient and jump on a video call and, and for it to be a great experience for the participants on the call? What breaks do you need to schedule into your day? Do you have holidays planned and booked in? Even if you're not able to go anywhere, it's just stepping away from work and sort of building up that energy as well. So I think it's a whole range of different areas, but I think it's about thinking about them all collectively. So when we do come to a point where we are communicating, whether it be a written piece, which is sent over as a pre-read, whether it be a presentation that we're doing over a video call or a conversation with lots of different stakeholders, or it be a follow-up piece as well. I think that's another critical piece is follow-ups and being really strong in connecting the dots between the pre-read that was sent, presentation that was made, the discussion that was had, and then also driving towards next steps and any clarifying points that need to be made. So I think it's about making sure that can all collectively come together and making sure that you're in the best environment and headspace to make all that happen. Hmm, that's great. I think it's really interesting that the format of the sales meeting has really evolved. 
now it's not only like a point in time and you've got a half an hour with the client and that's the content. The meeting becomes part of the broader content piece, right? And you've got different components that kind of start interacting with each other. I think that's a really interesting and really consistent feedback that I receive from the people that I speak in market to. Now, from a content perspective, you mentioned that in actual sales meetings, you try to make them more interactive and you also use chat. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think the interactive piece, there's, there's a number of different pieces to that. I think that it's simple things like when are you going to schedule check-in points and being clear on that during a presentation. That's about bringing other people into the conversation, clarifying any points And also, a lot of the time, just giving the audience a bit of a rest as well, if you are doing a fairly lengthy presentation. So I think it's being really thoughtful about when those points need to happen and being clear on that throughout the presentation, with a view to also being dynamic. A lot of the time, you might get into a situation where you might be feeling that energy or focus levels are starting to drop. And it's being able to think on the fly of, well, how am I going to pull a particular stakeholder or this group of people back together? And it may be stopping, clarifying, or stimulating some discussion. I think doing breakouts is really good as well. Of putting people into different smaller groups on a call can be really valuable and giving them a specific area to focus on or a question to discuss and then bringing back the group together. I think that can be very effective as well. I mean, it's something that we do in the physical environment. It's about managing it in the virtual environment. I think the chat piece is about being open to using it to clarify points, to not have to necessarily interrupt the flow of a conversation, but allow it to add to something you might have said or to clarify a point of a question of someone else, or simply to have a group start to put questions into the chat rather than having to change the dynamics of a call to make that happen. So you can start to get the questions coming through as you're doing presentations. So you know you can steer the conversation in a particular way. Yeah, that makes sense. Something else that I've heard also not too often, though, I have to admit, is integrating polls. I guess that's interesting, particularly when you think about educational pieces. If you share research to actually compare how those research insights compare to what's happening on the client's end, you would obviously need specific tools so that's not as easy integrated into existing tools as you would, for example, with Zoom or Hangouts. But yeah, that's also something that I've come across. Yes, definitely. I think we've definitely seen those as well. And I think doing some things and thinking of some ways to have a bit of fun in these environments as well is super important. It goes back to those relationships that we're trying to drive and giving people some relief. And it should be enjoyable. We need to find ways to still make these very enjoyable interactions as, mm. as groups of people as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think organizations that really nail that part, as you said, creating high quality interactions and really keeping energy levels up and creating that cohesive content experience, they really have an advantage compared to their competitors. If they don't have that capability, it's a real disadvantage these days. Now, in terms of the role of content within your interaction with clients, LinkedIn marketing, obviously extremely well-resourced. LinkedIn marketing services produces lots of content pieces, webinars, white papers, research pieces, and so on. How would you say has the role of content in your interaction with the market changed? Like, how do you curate content for your clients? And what sort of role does it play in that flow that you mentioned of pre-reading the actual presentation and the follow-up? Yeah, I think it has played a critical role for quite a few years now. I think it's become even more 
critical and important. And I think we're lucky at LinkedIn that we do have access to a lot of research and data. But at the same time, I think it's about that whole thing of thinking about how is this relevant for this particular, whether it's a broader industry piece that's being done or even for a particular client. And I think that's really the role of the sales professional and part of that piece of feedback to marketing, but also handover as well. Because marketing will always do be doing these quite scaled initiatives as they should be. But when it comes down to the client level, it's really up to the sales teams to be thinking really deeply about extracting the most valuable pieces that make the most sense for a particular client and threading that together so that we're able to understand more deeply how we can respond to the client's challenge that we're trying to solve for. So those pieces of content, I think, are just getting even more tied together. And I think it's that piece around the the client is researching probably more deeply and for longer than previously before making an outreach or before having a conversation with a sales professional. And I think it's thinking about that whole customer journey. It's the fact that they're exposed to a lot of this. So what do we want to expose them to? So that when we come to having the conversation, how we best placed to have the most valuable conversation possible because we've presented to them the most valuable and the most relevant information prior to having that conversation. And then I think once we've done that and we've had the conversation and then we understand the client even more deeply, well, what does the next sequence look like as well? What can I do as a sales professional to feed back to marketing what I learned? And then also, What can I do to make sure that I'm extracting the very best research, insights, data points to continue this conversation with the client to keep solving their problems as we move forward? Yeah, I think that's really interesting what you say about the feedback loop and actually treating that as a process. I think that's really changed over time as well. Like when I think about previous roles that I've worked in in sales enablement, a lot of times this wasn't a formalized process, like for whatever reasons, and there wasn't really a consolidated effort into sourcing that feedback and looking at that as a standardized way to engage the client. It was more like ad hoc decisions around which client to engage with which content pieces because you were just by chance aware of a certain content piece. These days, what you see more and more is that there's a structured effort around sharing content with the sales team and then the sales team actually operationalizing that content. So I think that has definitely changed a lot in the last 10 years or so. So in our conversation preparing for this interview, you mentioned that LinkedIn has done a whole lot to get the sales team up to speed and to actually enable the sales team for the new environment that you're dealing with in COVID-19. Like what sort of things have you guys done to actually prepare the sales team for this new environment? Yeah, there's been a lot of work done. There's been some very sort of tactical pieces that were just even the basics of, it goes back to things like your setup, how best to engage via video, what sort of interactive tools you can use when you are presenting, all those sorts of areas. I think, as I said, I think the wellness area has been massive as well. I think that's played a huge role in this. And then I think a lot of the tailoring of content for us to be able to best respond to the challenges that our clients are experiencing was another huge one for us. And it required a fairly big pivot 
for a few different areas of how we focus that content. I think when we sort of got into the thick of COVID-19, it was about what's changed in the world and what does LinkedIn know about this based on what we're seeing that is going to be of value to clients. I know working in the higher education industry, there was a huge shift that happened in that industry with obviously all the learners having to move online. And also we saw this big lift in particular skills that were required by employers that then the higher education industry was going to respond to so that they could create courses that enabled individuals to upskill or reskill into these areas that were in high demand from employers. And LinkedIn as a platform has a unique view of this whole thing taking place. And it was about, well, what content is going to be of value to our clients to understand that? And then how can we connect that to understanding more deeply what learners are looking for and how can we connect our higher education providers to those learners to make all this happen. So I think there's a large number of threads there, but it was really about understanding what was happening, what was LinkedIn's view of that based on everything that we have access to, what's the way that we can get this information to our clients so that they can consume it and it's a high value and can have impact on their business. You can do that at a fairly scaled approach across sort of industry levels, different market levels, et cetera. And then when it gets to the sales teams, it's about, well, now that we've been able to expose our clients to that information, do I understand deeply the challenges of my client and how can we start to connect where we might be able to bring value in helping to solve those problems? So research shows that there's no direct correlation between the use of technology tools and actual sales performance, which makes sense because just because you buy a lot of platforms and sales enablement tech doesn't automatically mean that your performance increases. There's other factors that play into that, like, as you said, culture, process alignment and whatnot. But from your point of view, have there been any technology tools that you started using that have made a difference during COVID-19? I think we've definitely had some tools that we've probably started to use more as a result of COVID-19 that are enabling a few different areas. So from a learning point of view, we're using obviously our LinkedIn learning platform ourselves a lot more and we've seen growth from our member base using that a lot more as well. I think there's particular skills that have become more relevant in this environment and sales enablement was a big driver in making that happen across our sales teams by using LinkedIn learning and along with a number of other sort of learning software as well. I think to the just the basics of collaborating on documents together, we're just doing more of it in making that happen and tracking more closely our efforts in sort of upskilling in particular areas so that we can have really informed conversations with uh, managers, with coaches and with sales enablement. I think it's just made it all much more critical and I think because it is critical, we're tracking it more closely. So we may not be necessarily using a whole bunch of new technologies to do it. We're just using the technology that we've had much more frequently and in ways that allow us to collaborate more and track things more closely. Absolutely makes sense. Based on your experience, so you're obviously an experienced sales professional. 
and you have that insight into what it takes to make that relationship between sales enablement and sales work really well. For those sales enablement professionals who just want to improve and empower their sales team to become better at remote selling, what's your advice to them based on your experience? I think it's really understanding the current challenges of the team and finding some common threads there that can be focused on and really focused on. I think it's a big collaborative effort that sales enablement drive, whether it's focusing on specific skills sales professionals need to focus on, working with sales leaders on coaching areas of focus that they can work on with their teams, or it's working with cross-functional partners on materials, on content that are going to support. And they're coming out of insights and research teams and the marketing team, tech solutions, etc. So I think sales enablement are really critical in helping decide the area of focus and kind of guarding that area of focus as well. So it's not overwhelming for the sales teams and they're able to focus, break things down into chunks and move through those one thing at a time. Collectively, it gets to the point where all that is moving the needle significantly. But I think it's absolutely critical for sales enablement to break that down into quite contained and achievable areas and guard that to make it happen. So it's not turning into this laundry list of things that we're trying to get our sales teams to do and focus on or develop, etc. So it's really, really reduced down. And they're doing that job of collaborating and making things really concise before they get to the sales team as well. Travis, thank you so much for joining today. I've learned a lot just like every time I talk to you. For those people who want to connect with you and maybe continue the conversation, where can they find you online? Definitely on LinkedIn, mate. Travis May, look him up. Thank you so much for joining today, Travis. Absolute pleasure, mate. Next time on The State of Sales Enablement. What I found so interesting about that result is certainly, yeah, daily and weekly, right? So frequent conversation and collaboration is happening between those teams that are aligned. And the one that made me laugh was the biggest one for unaligned teams was only when necessary, right? So we only meet with them <laughs> when we absolutely have to. If your business is like 96% of all B2B companies selling remotely, chances are that your sales cycles have become longer and buyers less responsive since the pandemic started. The most successful B2B sales teams are able to reduce friction during long sales cycles by being strategic about the way they use content to engage and educate buyers. Kruger Marketing, the sponsor of this podcast, has developed a system called Content Enabled Sales, which helps B2B enterprise sales teams to shorten the sales cycle length by strategically using content during the sales process. Listeners of this podcast gain free access to a training session that teaches you how to shorten the most complex B2B enterprise sales cycles with content. To view the on-demand training session, visit thestateofsalesenablement.com slash content. That's thestateofsalesenablement.com slash content.